I det här avsnittet av Garrett Jones kör Speed Garrett till Nora Wales i en Volvo. Yes, what that lady said in Swedish. Hello, welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed. I'm Gareth, and I am heading towards North Wales as I invariably am when I've got a car for review on Gareth Jones on Speed. And this time, I'm doing it in a Volvo. It's an XC40 R design. It's the D4 automatic, so a two-liter turbo diesel. Not the absolute top of the range. I've just worked that out because I've just tried to engage the pilot assist, as Volvo call it, and doesn't seem to have it. It's got distance sensitive cruise control, but it won't maintain lanes. And I like that because it is, of course, the broadcaster's friend as you fumble around to pick up your recorder and your headphones and your little fluffy clemmy that goes over the recorder so that the air conditioning when it blows across the microphone doesn't go and make an awful noise in your ears so yeah it doesn't have the pilot assist and it's funny how I've got used to that now and enjoyed it so very much in that V90 that I drove last summer that I'm sorry it doesn't have it I think Volvo in my experience do driver assist the second best I think the tester system is really fantastic and the Volvo is very 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 close to that in terms of ability so I was disappointed when it wasn't on this car but nothing else about it's disappointed me so far he's big I really had to restrain myself and go big then it's a very very tall car probably something to do with the fact that uh, it's the fashion to have tall cars these days and the wheels on this thing I think they're 19 inches they are huge it was the first thing I noticed if I can quote the former Top Gear or wheelbase first thing I noticed enormously high wheels enormously high car which manages to keep its role largely under control as well it's got quite a broad footprint of this it's using um, this Oh, now I forgot what it's called. It's not MDA, but there's a platform of scalable architecture that Volvo have developed for their parent group, Geely. And Geely are going to use this architecture in their Lincoln Co. equivalent of this car when it comes to Europe very, very soon. And I'm sure Geely will use it on one of their domestic Chinese brands as well and I'm wondering even if some of it will filter over to the new Lotus that Geely are bankrolling as they now own Lotus we're going to see a Lotus SUV although Lotus are only calling it a four-door Lotus that's all they're saying it's going to be light so I'm wondering how much of the architecture from this can be used have they met Lotus's requirements of something really super light or will they end up just developing their own versions of it we'll see we'll see a lotus with a diesel engine i think not i think not it'd be radical if they did but you know stranger things have happened you can buy jaguars with 
diesel engines. Don't think you can buy a Ferrari with one yet, or a McLaren. And in terms of spirit, that's what Lotus is closer to than Jaguar. But this Volvo, it's a premium car, isn't it? Volvo, it really, really is. They set about turning it into something a little more at market than it was a few years ago and uh, I think they've done really very well. This feels a bit special. certainly looks special. It's got lots of sharp edges. That's a sort of a 70s, 80s Volvo thing, isn't it? But they're drawing these sharp edges in ways I haven't quite seen before in a Volvo. Something about the back of this car reminds me of the Fiat Ritmo. The Fiat Strada, it was called in this country. And that was a European car of the year. And I believe this car won the What Car European Car of the Year award in 2018. The European car drivers like that funny geometric angle on the C pillar that this car shares with the Strada or Ritmo. Have a look at the pictures, you'll see what I mean. And find a picture of a Ritmo or a Strada and hold it up alongside and go... Yeah, I think I see what you mean. Yeah, really 70s geometric. Having said that, I was looking at the bonnet because of the lack of wind noise. Breezing along at 50 miles per hour on the bottom of the M1 at the moment. And I'm thinking, this is really quiet. You can hear the AC. You can hear the rumble of the diesel engine, which isn't terribly quiet. Fine, it says performance, but you, you tell it's a diesel, you can hear it. But there was very little wind noise or anything, no buffeting. I think that's interesting because this is an edgy car. You'd expect edgy cars to produce a lot of noise, a bit like a flute relies on airflow over an edge to cause it to vibrate, to flip forward and backwards either side of that edge. And that vibration is the note that you hear and this car is really interesting the bonnet I was looking at the bonnet because of the noise let me explain the bonnet is a crease on either side towards the wing on the bonnet as if someone had picked up the bonnet made out of paper and folded the two outer thirds back in on themselves and then pinched the very tip of that fold with their fingers and then opened out the piece of paper, the bonnet again. So you've got a curve with a pinch sharp edge on it. So that runs from the grill of the car to the A pillar with a slight curve in it. And I rather think it's doing a superb job of directing the airflow around the A pillar and the wing mirrors, making it quiet. I bet that's what it is. I'd love to do an experiment where I blanked off that crease with something like a, uh, what do you call it, um, one of those sausages that you float on when you go swimming made out of urethane. Hot dogs, what do they call them? Sausages, floating sausages, or uh, plate blagging, that sort of stuff. I'd be tempted just to put some tape and fill that crease on the outer side and see if it makes a noticeable difference to the level of noise. I bet it does because this car is noticeably quiet apart from the engine but more on that later i believe the latest revision to the range of the xc40 and a three-cylinder diesel engine now and i think possibly even a three-cylinder turbo petrol as well called the d3 
which might be nice because it's got plenty of grunt not short of it and I'm sure it managed with less grunt and a lightweight petrol engine with a turbo I think I'd like to try that but hey I'm enjoying this so I'm off to North Wales that usually long journey of 240 miles or something like that three o'clock on a Thursday afternoon trying to get ahead of bank holiday weekend traffic and I've got a good few days to explore this car and I'll tell you why I chose a Volvo for this trip I'll tell you now why not why not I hope you don't tell my brother because at the point of recording this it's all a bit of a surprise because on Sunday my brother John Bryn Jones is 70 years old 7-0 my big brother and he used to live in an old dilapidated Victorian mansion in Aberystwyth when he was in university studying there way back in the 70s and the people who owned that old dilapidated Victorian mansion were called the Bliss family Mr and Mrs Bliss very nice and Mr Bliss who spoke with sort of a West Wheelian accent from memory used to say to my brother he say Johnny oh yes yes I've got a vulva I've got a lovely vulva well it's my wife's vulva and she lets me have it in the weekends yes yeah, my wife's got a lovely vulva we love a vulva I love a vulva didn't say Volvo they said vulva <laughs> so I thought it would be very funny to pick up my brother as a surprise for his 70th birthday and take him back to this old mansion in a vulva so that's what I'm doing and I'll tell you more about the precise place we're going to I think a bit later in time and I'll tell you more about the car when I've discovered more about the car but for now it's ever so handsome my number two son who I just dropped off at the college he's going to uh, at the end of the summer holidays thought it was bare good this car and well wicked his words not mine and he loved the bright colour of the carpets which extend up into the doors in quite an old fashioned way these days we tend to have sort of soft padding or even leather or something in doors but this has got the carpet going right up the door and you notice it because the carpet is orange really burnt orange strong there's a word for it I'll, I'll look it up there on the press kit that comes with the car it's an interesting fabric as well it's almost like the sort of carpet squares that you get in 80s offices but it's orange yeah it's really sort of hard wearing and not as rough to the touch as a carpet would be it's quite soft to the hands but it's very dry very dry very nice it's very stylish in here lots of shiny faux chrome there's a relief pattern not a relief what is it it's a pattern on the dash it runs horizontally across the dash above the glove box and to the right of the steering wheel if you're a driver and it's got a sort of a silver oh yeah checkers pattern I suppose almost like a plaid or a checkers of silver and black and it catches the light and because it's on a semi-circular surface creates a slightly weird holographic effect another curve like the one on the crease in the bonnet and it almost looks like it's almost creating a holographic luminance somewhere in the middle of it yeah yeah, yeah. I, 
fascinating, distracting, but very nice. Yeah, cabin's really nice. You sit upright. You don't sit in it like the Toyota CHR with your arms out and your legs out straight in front of you. This you sit bolt upright. So there's lots of leg room. Very tall, big old leggy, 16-year-old son in the back. Yeah, loads of room. Lovely leather finish. Oh, design, that's what you pay for, yeah. It's very 70s. And of course, the Swedes did the 70s really well, if I'm honest, with the exception of ABBA. Controversial, I know, but I wasn't a fan. That was Ox Department. But the Swedes did 70s really well. And there's something quite 70s about the design of the air vents on the dash. They look like mouth organs on their end, but with no separated holes, just like a big sort of gaping letterbox on end with a silver dial in the middle of it just open and close really quite 70s and vertical like an air blade rather than a circular outlet so they're messing with their airflow in this car aren't they bet they've done a bit of computational flow dynamics haven't they bet they have on the interior aerodynamics as well as exterior aerodynamics Mm, I wonder there's crazy Swedish guys with their crazy Swedish ideas this car's full of good ideas curry hook of course you need one of those it's got induction charging for the phone if you've got a phone that does induction charging it's got a I thought it was an ashtray he looks just like an ashtray a tiny little beautifully finished slot when I opened it up I realised ah it's exactly the same size as the key if it's just a key but I've got other key rings on my key so it won't fit in there press car identification stuff so you can't take all that off little things like that that button on the boot that I love that Volvo do which is they have two buttons close and close and lock electric close close and lock you walk away from the car it's locked brilliant because the last thing you do is you're in the boot getting your stuff out you leave simple clever stuff I know I've mentioned it before but hey not everyone thinks like Volvo I'm sure this car's got lots of other thinky things in it as well I struggled with the transmission it's an automatic when I first got in you know one of those things you adapt to quite quickly but on the first couple of occasions I switched from reverse to drive and I was in neutral you know rev ooh, engine revved oh I see you've got a push push it's more of an electronic switch the uh, control rather than an actual lever so you sort of tap it forward like a joystick and it will go to neutral you then have to tap again to go into drive I've learned that since and of course the same when going in reverse and if you tap it forward twice you go into manual which means you can use the paddles to change gear so as I'm going to North Wales I'm pretty sure I'm going to be doing a little bit of that on some of the A roads but no point doing it on the M1 at this point although having said that we're actually rolling car's grooving along quite nicely it seems to have come out of its cruise control where you can set the distance of the vehicle in front so let me just see if I can re-engage that pilot assist engage oh my trousers it has got full pilot assist I pressed the wrong button before it's taking control of the steering now I felt it do that in my hand so I have to put my hands back on the wheel but it's now set to do 55 miles per hour behind a truck which is doing 56 miles per hour and it's taking care of the steering keeping me in the second of four lanes on this lower part 
of the M1. Oh, it's great. The broadcaster's friend is back. Make use of it if you can. Why the heck not when there's loads of traffic? I've said it before and I'll say it again. I'm sure these systems are better at preventing me from crashing than I am in situations like this. There we go. My first reminder to apply steering. I wonder how long it is I get between having to keep my hand on the steering. So I've got my hand on the steering now. I'm going to take my pressure off. So I'm covering the steering wheel. I'm touching the steering wheel. But I'm not putting any weight on it. And I don't know how long this is. I haven't started counting in, in seconds. Um, there, apply steering it tells me. I reckon that was around 10 seconds. Maybe 12 seconds, between 10 and 12 seconds. Uh, I'm cool with that, yeah. Should be paying attention more than every 10 or 12 seconds, so it's being generous. So, yeah, more on this car as I experience it over the next week. Yay! Hello again. I'm still on the road. I'm still not in Wales, and it's now oh, quarter to six, so a bit of a slow period at the lower end of the M1 but by the time we got to the M6 things were moving a little more quickly and I found myself on the Midland Expressway that's Toll Road which I think is a sort of a very seedy thing shall we take the Toll Road don't take the Troll Road take the Toll Road apologies to any of my Scandinavian friends listening to this programme but you have to sound a bit like that sometimes, yeah? It's normal. I've been enjoying the car. The, oh, listen to the rain. Rain thrashing the window at 70 miles per hour. Well, that's the only noise. Still very, very quiet. I have to say, the refinement levels of this car, absolutely top. Good work, Volvo. I've been enjoying the pilot assist. Yeah. It absolutely finds the right position in a lane. I have been in some cars with level 2 driver assistance, which always tend a little bit towards the verge. And as you're passing trucks, you just feel, oh, can you just inch away a little bit further from that truck? That's just a bit too close. But this nails the position and never doubts where it is. It can read changes in lanes when you know there's a row of cones down it deals with that very well when the road is narrowed because you've got three lanes in where there were two previously it copes with that really well yeah really good the pilot assist is really good and I only say it because some cars fail to do it as well as this car can this car makes it look easy. I'm sure it's not easy. It's a combination of whatever sensors you have available and the software to interpret what those sensors are saying. So it's a, a proper system. Like playing the guitar. Easy to do badly, difficult to do well. And enough respect in it to Volvo for getting it right. As I exited the Midland Expressway, there's that opportunity to floor the throttle and I remembered to press the right buttons beforehand there are a number of modes when you're driving this car you can choose which mode you want to drive in I'll just cycle through them now 
comfort, dynamic, eco and off-road. And at the moment off-road is not selected, perhaps because I'm going too fast. Let me see, I've slowed down a little bit. Ooh, awful spray on the motorway suddenly, awful, awful spray. Yeah, off-road is greyed out at the moment. Does it say cannot be engaged for what reason? Because speed is too high. Yep, there you go, there you go. Yeah, I engaged dynamic mode out of comfort. Because when you're in comfort, the stop-start cuts in when your car comes to a halt. And if you want to get away quickly from a satellite, you have to make sure you're in dynamic. Because it being a diesel, the time it takes to get your foot on the throttle for it to wake up and then go forward, you end up lunging forward a little bit in this car when you've got the stop-start. When the car comes to a halt, it's difficult to start creeping forward. It's all or nothing. You have to sort of thrust out. It's that diesel thing that requires a bit of oomph, you know. Not like a subtle, creepy petrol car with a clutch. Yeah, you can't creep. So that's a slight downside to this car. It's just a matter of adapting to the car, but it's not a car which has made it easy to adapt, let's put it that way. It wants you to boot the throttle to get it going then come off it really quickly which of course is impossible because by that time uh, diesel has produced all its torque and is lunging you forward so uh, i'm still adapting to that so when i did tear away from the toll booth having paid yeah it got going quickly and sprightly but it didn't feel like i was thrust towards the back of the car so sporting rather than sporty you might say i'll have to check the to 62 mile per hour time I reckon it's probably just shy of 10 seconds which is passable very passable but it's very refined this car I keep coming back to that with the exception of the grumble of the diesel engine everything else about this car is really taut and quiet nicely engineered Volvo thank you very much indeed I don't know why I have to resort to cartoonish Scandinavian accent which <laughs> I'm afraid I do when I say Volvo have they retained their identity? Yes I think they have and I think that's quite important it's not Germanic this car I know I know how do you define Germanic in a car it's well engineered but it's sort of there's a subtlety to it not a blandness you know, German cars can be a little efficient, and because they're so efficient, they're just bland. This car's got a little bit of minimalist sparkle to it. Oh, I mentioned the instrument display, or rather the pad in the middle. It's massive! It's as long as the tip of my finger to the wristwatch. It's not quite Tesla scale, but it's good size, and that's really good, because a man of my age... I have to wear glasses to read things these days on the telephone. I do, I have to put my glasses on to read stuff. But I don't have to have my glasses on to read this. Now that's good. That's an intelligent Scandinavian society taking care of the large part of this community. The older people as well as the younger people. Make it big enough for us to read. And I bet I could probably find a setting on that screen which zoom those characters even larger than they are but I don't need to I can read them I like that I remember a long time back having a Citroen DS4 is that what it was and some of the controls were up in 
the ceiling. I couldn't focus on them. They were too close. I just couldn't. I kept trying to lean away from them. None of that in this car. None of that. Yeah, I'm liking it. And when this rain has gone away, this miserable greyness, and it's dry and I'm on clear roads in North Wales, I'm looking forward to driving this on the paddles in dynamic mode. But for the moment, now that we're back down to 43 miles per hour, I'm going to cycle through my um, modes and I'm going to go to dynamic. So I try eco for a while. Efficient drive. Let's see what happens. Also, I'm just checking as I press those buttons, do the colours of the dash change? Comfort mode, you get a speedo appears in the right hand virtual dial. Dynamic mode. No change to colours. Eco mode, the right hand one gives you a how efficient are you driving sort of dial, which is a rotary dial with a green surround to it. Okay, I will touch the steering wheel. I'm holding my recorder. I'm sorry. Actually, the steering is fidgeting slightly at the moment because there's the ghost of a lane marker visible parallel to the one. Oh, I'm in a very narrow lane and the car is... Yeah, it's actually failed to understand where the lane is for the first time. But it was very difficult. It was almost like tram lines where you had two white dots right next to each other about a foot apart and a row of green studs emerging on the right you know reflective green studs ray studs and on the left i think even a driver might have find that confusing let alone a piece of software but it gave me plenty of warning you heard it blinging away there very good you're a very safe car which of course volvos are supposed to be so yeah hang on Things you notice whilst driving around in the 21st century. I've seen quite a few Teslas today, probably five or six I'd say, largely white or silver. And the thing that prompted me to mention that now was I've just seen a white Tesla coming the opposite way with a registration number, looked like NO11GAS. No gas, no 11 gas. Which I thought was quite funny. I do enjoy the world of the personalised registration place. I know Richard doesn't, I know Richard hates it. But I find it quite amusing, the whole thing. Things you notice whilst driving around in this. I forgot to mention earlier on, the panoramic glass sunroof that this thing has. Huge glass roof, which stretches all the way back. It's really, really nice. And has a blind which goes over it. All nicely power assist, very cool, very smooth, very, very volatile, like some sort of Swedish house locking down for the winter. But it's a £1,600 option. But it does come with some other stuff as part of a package. You also then get the 3D surround cameras, you know, that thing where the cameras in the car on the door handles and at the front and the rear create an image when you're reversing shows up on the notepad format tablet in the dash that's portrait not landscape you know showing the car from above as if you've got a drone hovering above you it's just fantastic so you get that as well and as part of that same package including the sunroof that 
and you also get the automatic parking assist which will park the car at 90 degrees and parallel park although I really struggle with those you've really got to find somewhere that you really trust to use it and test it where you're not going to damage anything perhaps you know a field or have someone who's used the system before take you through it so you know that you're using it correctly so it is going to work that's in some ways an even greater responsibility than driving along and engaging the pilot assist when you're on the motorway because that just seems to be very natural but surrendering the old parking thing to a car is still a bit weird isn't it yeah, I was, yeah, this sunroof, the, the point I was trying to make was, one of the things I like about this car is this sunroof is so big when you roll the whole thing back. I swear you could probably launch Thunderbird 1 through it. <laughs> you know, you could actually have a swimming pool on the roof of the car and fold that back. That, that's what it, it seems like. Yeah, enjoying this car. In a Jerry Anderson sort of way. Sunday, 26th of August, 2018, and I'm driving between Machuntleth and Aberystwyth with my big brother, John Bryn, who's celebrating his 70th birthday today. Pembluth Abbas, John. How do you feel? Oh, well, old, I suppose. <laughs> it's a, kind of a miracle due to the NHS. I'm still alive with my heart valve ticking away inside me. Yeah, I can't complain. Nice to have you with us. You used to live in Aberystwyth. Yes, I did as a student, yeah. 68 to 1971, something like uh, that? Well, for one year, 68, 69, then I took a year out and I came back in 1971 and came out the end of 73. Now, we've driven to Aberystwyth today on some improved roads, but it's still a slow old journey. How long did it take you to get there back in the day? Well, from, from North Wales, where we're from. Well, when I drove down on myself in my 1200 Anglia, the fastest time I managed was two hours late at night, if you go like hell, but generally speaking, it's a three-hour slog. So that was an Anglia 105E? No, a 1200 it was. Yeah, the, the ancient capacity with the model number was the 105E, it oh, was I called. Suppose so, yeah. yeah. I remember that car. Was that your first car? Yes, it was my first so old what, car. What year would that car have been? 66 or something like uh, that? CC registration. Maybe C67, yeah. Right. So that was your first car. Yeah. How much did you pay for it? Oh, difficult to say. Probably. Do you remember where well, you bought it? Yeah, from Holkin, from uh, Neil, Neil and Gerald's father. Hang on, people won't know who Neil yeah, and Gerald are. Well, they used to own the Haven garage in Holkin. Right. I bought it with the money I'd saved when I was working on the buses from the Flint Depot. Uh, it was a region of, I, I feel it was about 400 quid, I think. Don't know for certain. And how, how long did you have that car? Uh, oh, good question. Uh, maybe two years? Yeah, right about two years. I drove it back from Aberyst with, uh, and I think they bought it back for 200 quid, I think. Wow. You went to Denmark, was it with Neil? Yes, in an A40. Oh, so it's his car, not yeah, yours? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, his father lent him it after he passed his A-levels. And, we, yeah, we took it out, and then I drove some of the way in Germany. 
but we won't say about the insurance. But uh, <laughs> really, because he was flat out in the back having smoked too much dough. <laughs> you can't say that on a podcast. Don't yes, you can, it was 1968. Things were different then, and that was an Austin A40 yeah, all the way to Denmark from North Wales, yeah, by, yeah, uh, yeah. Germany. Yeah, yeah. Well, the weather wasn't particularly good. We slept in the park in Copenhagen. Uh, we didn't do a great deal of things because he was so whacked out on dope. He'd been working hard right up until that time. I dropped him. We went down to um, the German family I knew in North Germany and we stayed there for a few days while he recuperated. They were chemists. Well, she was a chemist, so they gave him some stuff to clear his lungs and we had 24 hours and we, we were off again. And They were fascinated to hear about his army days. Herr Schwarzer having been in the Wehrmacht in the wartime years. So Herr Schwarzer was a German chap who our family had been twinned with. Well, through, through Rotary. Yeah, through the Rotary Association. Yeah. You lived with them. I had a couple of holidays there and they were wonderful to me. Treated me like royalty. Yeah, fantastic. And when did you learn to drive and where? Good question. When I was about 10 years old, I went up with my father up to an old deserted, I don't know, council dump. And I drove the, what was it, Uh, Triumph van, Triumph 10, something like that, standard Triumph van. uh, And I drove it up and down using the clutch and first and second gears, the clutch and accelerator, just getting used to the idea. You were 10 in 1958? Something like that, yeah, yeah. And Neil and Gerald, their parents were terrified of leaving the garage because they knew they would just take a car and go off. So Neil and Gerald lived in a garage, the Haven Garage. Their dad ran the Haven Garage, and they would just take cars as young boys. Yeah, well, they knew Gerald took one when he was 15, took a mini out and drove it around, and he had a minor (laughs) crash. And they used to have an area in the garage called the casino, a very large showroom with room at the back and front, and the lads used to legitimately drive the cars round and round with that in like a race circuit. And that's how they learned to drive. In fact, Gerald passed his driving test the day of his 17th birthday. Wow. That's Wales for you, that sort of thing happens. When you've got a, a garage as your home, I yeah. suppose. And what about your early drives? What were the most difficult drives you've ever done? Any adventures on the road you remember? Oh, Apart from Denmark? Oh, uh, I can't say I've had any horrible adventures. It was great being in my 1200 Anglia belting through the Welsh countryside and uh, I went down to Bur- I w- when I worked in Birmingham I had the car Birmingham went, when I was working with the kids I had it down there I, I wouldn't say about any hairy uh, coming back from Germany I did a bit of the driving but when we got passed over although it was pouring with rain Neil took up the driving again so uh, no I, I've never had any uh, really hairy times in a car I can't think of pushed the limits occasionally but no I I remember coming to collect you from Aberystwyth. Oh, that, on that occasion. Yeah, you'd been ill, you'd had colitis. Yeah, no, I, I'd been delivering bread 12 hours a day and I'd uh, hogged my load up. And then it was the end of the academic year. Mum came and picked me up and I had to stop off on the way back because I was so weak, I had to have a drink of water. Uh, and I was laid up at home doing not very much, I'm afraid. I remember that journey in Mam's Mini Club. No, it wasn't a Mini Club, it was a Mini Thousand with the registration number DDM629J. I remember it, and it was oh. orange. Sort of orangey tangerine, actually. More tangerine than orange, if I'm feeling. Oh, it was a Clubman. <laughs> no, Mam never had a Clubman. She had a Wolsey Hornet before that. Yeah, 717 yeah, 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 yeah. FDM, I remember the number. Yeah. Grey one, she bought a second hand. 
But yeah, the long schlep from our part of North Wales, from Flintshire down to yeah. Aberystwyth, it's still not much better. It's still a wiggly old road, isn't uh, it? Yeah, if we'd come through Brithdeer, that would have cut out a few miles. That's a bit of a shortcut for those that know it. Yeah, if you get stuck behind a lorry like we have been done here, it can be pretty painful. Yeah, the lorry is Mansell Davis and Son, and it's a container, but not driven like Nigel Mansell, driven more like <laughs> Mr <laughs> Davis the farmer, yeah. literally, yeah. We're just going through Machunfleth yeah, now, yeah, so. which I always remember Cyril, who used to live over the road from us, who wasn't a Welsh speaker, he used to always refer to Machunfleth as Machinlet. Oh, That's what it looked yeah. like to him. Well, it's some English people deliberately say it just to annoy us. <laughs> I don't know, I just don't think they get the language, do they? Plastic. Liquid, liquid division. Yeah. West, West Wales, where the hell's he going? Taking milk down oh, to. Well, uh, there, there are some uh, industrial estates in Arbor. It looks like he's going the whole way, Gareth. We're yeah. going to be stuck behind him, unless you can. You may get a gap between here and. Machunfleth. Aberystwyth. As we're going through Machunfleth now. You remember the people who used to own Nanteos Mansion where you yeah, lived a yeah. long, long time yeah, ago? Yeah, the Blisses. Yeah, great name for a place. It was a kind of blissful existence out there. Yeah. Uh, I'm afraid Rose died many years ago, and I don't know what's happened to Jeff, who ran the place. But uh, So this is the first time since when, since you oh, were Oh, well, I had my heart operation in 96, and I came down in the summer of 96 and brought my bike with me and went up come Simlog, a place I love very much and then stayed on a, a campsite in Arbor and then went along to Nanteos and the woodlands at the back where Mike one of the Bliss lads lives Do you remember the car that the Blisses had when you lived oh, there? Uh, well, I think, God Lord I think it was uh, a Cortina but I can't remember it's um, one I bent the door of, reversing down a, a dump. I, did you? Yeah, but they were hoping to get... Listen to this, they were hoping to get a Volvo car. There you go, that's what I was fishing for. I thought they had a Volvo... I seem to remember... Well, they may have done in the end, I can't remember. The, I, I seem to remember you saying to me at one point that Mr Bliss said, oh, yes, my wife's got a Volvo, and, and let no, me have said, it at the weekend. It was she who said, oh, we'd like a Volvo car. Oh, she said that? OK, forgive me if I remembered that no, wrong. No. Which is why... We're in a Volvo today. Did oh, you realise that? Uh, yes, oh, I, got, I got you deliberately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> deliberately. I have to admit, as it was your 70th birthday, the first thing I did was approach Porsche, who are also 70 years old this oh, year. Are they? Yeah. And asked if I could uh, have access to one of their cars from their press fleet for this weekend. Unfortunately, they're supporting another event this weekend, oh, right. so they didn't have a car. But they did say, you know, we're not the only car manufacturer celebrating a 70th birthday this year, which Land Rover are as oh, well. right, 48, is it? Yeah. Right. Well, they came into existence very much after the war, didn't they? Exactly, like you. And it was developed in North Wales, wasn't it? Oh, that's a new one on me. Yep, that, in Anglesey, by the uh, chap who lived there, who worked oh, for right. the Rover Motor Company, and he wanted something that would get him across rural Wales and get him back oh, to right, Birmingham. Right, that, 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 yeah. So we can claim Welsh parentage for was the... It, it was at Anglesey? Yes. Ah, oh, right, maybe I have heard something. And So I tried to get a Land Rover. Unfortunately, Land Rover are also supporting, I think, a, a trials event, oh, yeah, right. and so their fleet wasn't available. But then I thought, oh, yes... If we're going to see Nantes Mansion where the Blisses were, then yeah. a Volvo would be perfect. Yeah. And this XC40, I thought would be great. It's been good, isn't it? You like it? Yeah, I mean, uh, 
my experience of uh, these more expensive vehicles is a bit limited, but it's got all the facilities you expect on a modern vehicle, but quite different from my old Corsa. You drive a Vauxhall Corsa, you yeah. purist, you. Well, it's a good, fun car, it's little, it gets into places, and yeah. it's nippy on corners, and they've got legroom in it, which you don't always get in some cars. You actually had your seat extended, yeah. yeah what do you explain what you did? I uh, went to a local garage and something he regularly does and he put a seat extension on it and now I can drive with my legs fully extended. So by seat extension what you mean is the rails that the seat sits on yeah, are being extended right. backwards? Right, right, back, right back to the rear seat so it's right, right up against the seat so if your kids have to get in I have to drag the seat forward. <laughs> I don't quite get it because you're about the same height as me we're not quite six foot are we? Well I am six foot. You are? You are. Oh, I am yeah. Well, I'm amazed that you need extra leg room, but I'm glad oh, you've heard yeah. it. Well, I'm not driving like this. Or, I mean, yeah. it's bad enough I'm in Mam's Micra. When I got to Buckelli, having taken my sister out there with her kids, I was glad to get out and walk around for a few hours. <laughs> and your knees are on your yeah. knees. And your back as well is where you, the pain is. And this car, very comfortable, I have yeah, to say. Yeah, well, it's a treat to be in it. It's very sure-footed. The weather in the last... 12 hours or so has been really atrocious. We had a hailstorm the other day and it's been really wet under rubber. But this car, I've been impressed at how sure footed it is with its four wheel drive. I also went swimming yesterday morning up in the mountains, Llyn Geirionev, in the Conway Valley with my friend Steve. And we drove up this absolute sheer face to get to this lake up in the mountains. And the car, I thought, coped really well. We had a full capacity car, five people in the car, and it was a real sheer face, and the car just scrambled up. I didn't elect built, it. Built for Swedish roads, eh? I think it probably is, John, yeah. I think it's built for all roads, this car. Well, they have hardened roads up in the north of Sweden, don't they? They're not, yeah. I don't think they're tarmacked. I think they're uh, gritted roads, aren't they? Uh, well, it, it, they are uh, tarmac but then they're covered with snow and you have to drive around in uh, snow tyres in the winter it's the law as it is in Germany in some states where for certain months of the year you have to have winter tyres on that's smart but hey we're approaching Nanteos now so I'll stop recording I say we're approaching we're still what 10 miles away aren't we Uh, I would think so yeah it's in that region yeah it's a wiggly old road there should be one or two places we can pass but uh, the traffic's building up now we're crossing the line into Keredigion as we speak. Cool. Hey, Wales road trip. Hello, I'm still in Wales and now it's Tuesday. Yeah, it is Tuesday. And to think about that, I came up on Thursday, did the visit down to Aberystwyth with my brother on Sunday and the Monday. And today I'm heading back. But before I head back, I'm going to go and visit a little exhibition in Denby Museum. Didn't even know we had a museum in Denby. I'm from not far away, Hollywell. I was born in St. Asaph, only about nine miles from Denby. So I really am back in my hood. And the exhibition is not just something I'm doing for personal pleasure. I'm doing it for the podcast, I hope, because the exhibition is about Wales's only ever Grand Prix winner, Tom Price. And I know I've told the Tom Price story on Gareth Jones on Speed, in song and in conversation. And you may remember I even visited the memorial to him 
in Frithin with Sue Baker many, many years ago when I was reviewing a Hyundai and we found ourselves driving around up here. But I thought we'd go to the exhibition because it might tell me stuff I don't know about Tom Price. And it's interesting that it's in Denby, not Rithin, because often we say, oh yes, North Wales, Tom Price from Rithin. But he was actually, well, he was born in Wrexham, I think, in a hospital in Wrexham, but brought up in Nantglyn, which is arguably closer to Denby than it is to Rithin. So Denby are claiming him. So I'll go there and I hope it's on today. I haven't done any research to double check and I haven't checked that it's going to be okay to take my recorder but we'll find out it's my home I can always ask and if I ask in Welsh I might even get more favours than if I ask in English because I am in Welsh Wales found it found the museum it's in an old primary school and there's a sign outside that says Arvangosva Tom Price Tom Price Exhibition Dithlin Davigtri Gorfanav Hid at Guntav or Hadrev So that's Monday 23rd of July till Monday 1st of October and I'm in between those dates so in theory it's on I'm going to walk in with my recorder. It may be a bit rude, actually, but uh, if I can find the inn... OK, that's not the front door. <laughs> Park in the car park. Got to walk around the front. Actually, I'll leave it recording. And I will tell them I am recording, because it would be rude not to. Can you hear construction going on? Was it an Itachi? It is an Itachi shovel arm thing. What are they doing there? Can't see. Angievva Dimbich, Denby Museum. If you're up in North Wales, because the summer holidays are almost over and you like a bit of car stuff, come and find the museum and come see the Tom Price exhibition. Let's see. Okay. That's not a door. <laughs> it's going well. I would have thought that was the way. Maybe I should have come in round the back where the car park is. Yeah. Let's see. Back in round the side. Great, they have a little sort of gate that sheep can't get through. Because we're in the countryside, of course. Incursion by wild animals is a problem here. Hmm. Back to where I'm started now. Manedva entrance. Let's try this one. Argai! Oh no! That means closed. Argai. No! What a disappointment. That explains why the front door was closed. Man! I did read that it closes at four o'clock and right now it's only 2.30 so let's try one last time gonna go up another door just in case Manedva no the Manedva 
is definitely not an entrance today. There you go. Hey, well, you haven't learnt anything about Tom Price. <laughs> we have learned that the Welsh word for entrance is Menedfa, and that the Welsh word for museum is Amgiedfa. And uh, it's a Welsh joke, right? The Welsh word for mother, of course, is mam. So, what would you call a Welsh museum for mothers? Hey, mam gyedra. Yeah, sorry. Well, that was a failed to <laughs> a Tom Price thing. <laughs> Never mind. Right, I, I'm back in the Volvo. I'm going to do the set now thing and organise the driving back to London, which is usually about five hours. But in a bit, I will come back to you and I'll tell you my final thoughts on this lovely Volvo XC40. And I think the clue's there. Lovely Volvo XC40. Could this be the best Volvo I have ever driven? Tell you in a minute. Gareth Jones on speed. I am truly sorry about the disappointment regarding the Tom Price exhibition. Sorry you didn't get to see that. I love Tom Price. I want to know more. Hey, I'm coming back home next month, September, so perhaps I will do it then and I will advance it to make sure that they're definitely open. Sorry about the disappointment. Now, in terms of disappointment, there isn't any from this car. Do you know what? When you get a car to review, you're always looking for things that bug you, always looking for things that elate you. You know, this is the story arc of the car isn't it this is what you want to know about what was rubbish what was fantastic and there's nothing rubbish about this car I wouldn't say there was anything fantastic about it but that doesn't mean it's damned by faint praise you know oh I'm sorry I've got nothing fantastic to say about it it's actually all really really good arguably the handling is the most surprising thing about this car. You wouldn't expect one of these tall 4x4 thingies to be as chuckable as this is. It's not anywhere near as chuckable as a GTI sports hatch, of course. But it is more chuckable than an estate. The last Volvo I had, remember the V90, the ride was really soft but really wallowy. You know, it never stopped pitching when I went over speed bumps, and it was a bit of a floaty barge. You know, nice, but not a driver's car. This XC40, far more composed. It's got all the pitch under control, perhaps because it's got very short overhangs front and rear. But it's also got these enormous 19-inch wheels which don't seem as heavy. The car, actually, the car doesn't seem as heavy as you'd expect it to be. And you know, I was talking about light architecture right at the very start of this programme because that's something that Lotus will benefit from if they use this platform, which I think is called the MDA platform now, which will be used in the Lincoln Co car as well. But the engine in this car is all aluminium, nice and light, and nice and sprightly. There is loads of grunt on this car, loads. When you think about it these days, if you buy a two-litre diesel, you're buying the equivalent of a 
at least a three litre petrol engine once upon a time in terms of performance these days a 1.5 litre turbo diesel is like a two litre petrol car used to be so considering that Volvo don't make any of their cars available with V6s or even straight fives, let alone V8s these days. This is the top performance engine, almost the D4. The D5, which is still a four cylinder engine, even though it's called D5, is more powerful than this. But yeah, this has got plenty of chutzpah. Is that the word? I think I've said this before. Chutzpah. Think that's how the or schutzpah is how Jewish people might say it and very interestingly whilst I was in Denby when I set my sat nav to take me home from Denby to Stoke Newington it decided that the way to come was over the Horseshoe Pass now I don't know if you've ever driven the Horseshoe Pass which is the road that connects Pentrechtanschreider to Llangollen and it's a fantastic alpine wiggly road you really should go and drive it and you wouldn't think that this would be the car to drive on but you know what it is because it never understeers nor oversteers this car is exquisitely balanced full marks to volvo for that now whether that's a function of the electronics of the car or the basic geometry of the suspension and the way it puts the power down I don't know but it was incredibly predictable far more predictable than that Lexus IS 300 F Sport that I was driving which I found the most unpredictable car I've driven in many years so you know this is a league away yeah really really good and another thing about this car people want to talk to me about it if ever I stop for fuel which isn't that often I've averaged 35 miles per gallon which is pretty good it's nowhere near the what 55 is it that they probably advertise this car as achieving but we all know that we all know that real world MPG is different so yeah people always want to talk to me oh that's the new XC40 how is it it's ever so good looking one bloke says oh I love the way that car looks and I've posted some pictures on social media as I've been driving this car around North Wales and a number of people have commented yeah I love the way the XC40 looks yeah I do rather like it I don't know if I like it any more than the looks of the V90 okay around about 300 yards first exit okay thank you yeah i don't know if i like it anymore but it appears that a lot of people do people have a bit of affection for the geometric car i posted a picture of this car parked alongside Tegi bala lake just the other day to show off its angularity against a superbly organic backdrop and I got lots of people saying, oh, that car looks lovely. I was majoring on the rear. I shot it from the rear because I think it's a very, very distinctive look at the rear. Do you know, I've just come up behind an 18 registration Mercedes GLA, which is very similar to this car in some ways, a bit of a tippy-toe thing. But it looks like a ruddy great pudding compared to this. I'm not saying it is a pudding, it just looks like one because it's all rounded. 
and I've kind of got used to the angularity of this car. It's interesting. You know, we go through phases, don't we, in terms of car design. You'll have 10 years of really organic design and then 10 years of really angular car design. You know, and there's always a switch. There's always one car that causes that switch. And I'm wondering if this might be the car to bring us back to angular car design from the more organic stuff that you see on everything from your Qashqai to your Colios to your Astra these days. They're all rounded, aren't they? Time for a bit of 70s angularity. Bring back the TR7. That's what I say. Yeah, maybe BMW should do that. They own the name Triumph, don't they? Okay, if there's anything about this car I don't like, it's only a minor thing. You know the drive modes? Comfort, dynamic, eco and off-road. It would be nice if it stayed in whatever mode you put it in. If you stop the engine and restart it, it always defaults to comfort. And I much prefer dynamic with this car. Comfort, it's a little bit slow in terms of changing down and, and getting on. Well, you know, it is set for comfort. That's interesting. I just passed four cars on the A5 who've all hit each other, nose to tail, nose to tail. And the fifth car at the back was a Volvo XC60. They're all pulled over in the, the side. There's a lot of traffic. But the Volvo XC60 was the only one unmarked. <laughs> really? I think the safety features of that car stopped it from actually hitting that car. How interesting. Sorry, what was I saying? Yeah, it would be nice if when you restarted it stayed in the mode that you were in previously. That's my only real complaint. In dynamic mode, it's a much more fun car to drive. And you do have to use the paddles to get the most from the 8-speed gearbox and the diesel engine. You really, really do. You know, you can drive it around like a bit of a lazy boy, but it's a bit too hesitant for me when you pull away from junctions. Using the paddles makes it workable. You drive it like a manual car, in other words. Kind of surprising for a car with this sort of setup these days. But you do drive it like a manual car. I am very impressed with the way it looks. I love the style of the interior with all those crazy orange carpets, that bold youth kind of vibe. You know, older people drive Volvos, young people don't drive Volvos, do they? I think young people drive Volvo XC40s, definitely. And as I cross the border into Shropshire, leaving Wales, I think I've perhaps reached my conclusion about this car. And that is, have you ever been to Ikea? And while you're there, bought some of the jam that looks like marmalade. What's it called? Cloudberries, is that what they're called? And they look lovely. They look like, oh, apricot-coloured or orange-coloured. And you buy it and you think, that'll be great. The Swedes survive on that, so I'm sure we can survive on that. And you buy it and you take it home and you try it on your toast. And you think, oh, it's very good, but hasn't got a lot of flavour. Then the second time you have your toast, you put it on again and you go, yeah, it really hasn't got any flavour at all. And then the third time that you put it on your toast, you think, I won't bother next time. I'll put some 
good strong British jam or some good strong British marmalade on with a bit of flavour. Yeah, the idea of Scandinavian culture disappoints if you're a Brit in that context. But not with this car. This is not like buying Cloudberry jam in Ikea. This is like buying a piece of nice Ikea furniture and discovering that not only is it modern and well designed, but really satisfies even more than you were actually hoping it might. Volvo are in good shape. I've driven a number of them. The first Volvo I drove was my dad's Volvo 340. Not a great car. Second Volvo I drove was a Volvo XC70 that I took all the way to Spain and back and I was really impressed with that. Really, really impressed. Third one, the V90. Loved it. It's moved things on. It's a far more upmarket car, but not a driver's car. Well, I think maybe I have found the Volvo for me. This XC40 is tremendous. I would like to drive the fully manual version with the three-cylinder engine. I bet that is more sporting than this. It might not have ultimate power, but I bet it's fun to drive. And you know what? You couldn't describe this car as not fun to drive. It's definitely fun to drive. Yeah, big fan. Volvo XC40, thumbs up from Gareth Jones on speed. That's it for this programme. I haven't mentioned the Formula One. I was going to. We've got a couple of seconds left, so I will. Yeah, I missed the Belgian Grand Prix because I was driving to Aberystwyth on my own equivalent of the Spa-Francorchamps circuit in a car that you wouldn't expect to be satisfying on a wiggly road like that, but it truly, truly was. And, yeah, I know there was a big pile-up on the first corner, which was exciting, and it was great that uh, drivers walked away from it thanks to the halo, but I believe the rest of the race was a little bit dull. So I don't feel too bad about missing it. And you know what? That's a function of there being 20 races in a season. When there were only like 15 races in a season, you wouldn't want to miss a race. But now there are 20, you think, well, oh, be another one next week. So hey, next week, Monza. I'll watch that. In the meantime, I was Gareth. This was Gareth Jones on Speed. See you for the next one. To send us an email, see pictures, get song lyrics, join our Facebook fan site, follow us on Twitter, or to find out about sponsorship opportunities, go to garethjones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang. Gareth Jones on Speed!